Lexi and I'm a self-discovery coach and yoga instructor serving people through my business Alive to Enjoy and this is Heart Snuggles, a holistic wellness podcast where I invite guests to drop into their heart space through authentic conversations and compassionate intentions all in mini cuddly episodes. Welcome to Heart Snuggles. We're so happy you're here today and we're hoping that you're having a joyful day. And I brought my Psyche astrology coach on, business coach. So I'm really excited to have her. And if you would like to just give yourself a little introduction. Hi. Yes, I'm so happy to be here. Honored to be here. Honored to work with you. Love you so much. <laughs> um, I'm Natalie Holbrook. And like Lexi mentioned, I am an astrologer. I like to say that I'm a sole purpose astrologer because it's a lot deeper than just like, here's where all of your placements are. And, you know, here's the, the things that are going to happen to you. And it might suck or it might be great. Like either way, you're shit out of luck. But I like to take it and say, no, let's actually look at how is this affecting your soul? How is this affecting your purpose in life? And how do we work with these energies and then combine um, that with the technique called Psyche, which is this incredible transformational method that both Lexi and I can attest to fully that really does rewire and reprogram your mindset and really transform you into creating the life that you want to live. Yeah, it's so incredible. And it's just so easy too. like Psyche blows my mind. I'm like, hey, me too. <laughs> is this? It's so great. So let's talk about how you got into astrology. Oh my goodness. Okay. So, you know, I'm a Taurus sun. And when I was like 18, 19, um, before apps were a thing, because this was like, like Nokia Blackberry days, you guys, like I'm 35 now. So this was what, like, you know, 15, 16 years ago. And I would somehow get these little like astrological updates on my phone that would be like, May 19th, Taurus, you know, it was just like an SMS type thing. And I remember that I would be like, this is not me, whatever. Like I am not, I'm not stubborn. <laughs> I'm not materialistic. But there were a lot of things that like really did not resonate with me about that. And so I didn't actually even really believe in it that much until I went to Bali in 2014. And one of my best friends and I, we got readings. We were in Ubud, the guy who taught, his name's Levi Banner. He's amazing. It was our first reading ever. And he didn't even go that deep into the other planets or the, at all about the houses. He literally just talked about sun, moon, and rising. And when I found out that I was a Gemini moon and a Leo rising, I was like, oh my God, I'm so validated. This all makes sense. You know, like the fact that I was a Gemini moon, he was like, you know, there's a lot of journalists. They're very mischievous. And I had just, you know, like my, um, my first year in college, I grew up Mormon and I was kicked out of a Mormon college <laughs> for being quote unquote bad, but really I was just super mischievous. And, and then I also studied journalism, you know, as you can tell, I love to chat and talk and that's very Gemini. And, um, and then my whole life, I also love acting and performing and kind of having this big fun, you know, energy and presence and glam and all of that. And that was all Leo. And so that really just like validated so much for me. And then it wasn't until two years ago now that I actually started to study astrology. Um, I was working as a holistic nutritionist, but found myself just feeling really lost during, you know, the next continue, ever continuing unfolding of my spiritual awakening. And astrology, it was almost like someone just plopped it down into my lap and was like, you need to study this. <laughs> and I found a teacher. I was living in LA at the time. She lived in Orange County, which is about an hour and a half north. And I would drive down every other week to go see her. And we would just sit and have these like two hour in-depth, crazy long sessions. And within three months, 
it was as if somebody hit a button on me that was like reactivate because I just remembered everything. And it was kind of like within that three month period, it all just came to me. And, you know, I studied with a bunch of different people. I studied with, her name was Donna. I studied with Danielle Page. I studied with Deborah Silverman. Now that I think about it, they all have names that start with a D, which is kind of funny. <laughs> Someone named Demetra George, like they're literally all Ds. Um, and, you know, it was like a remembrance. And then I was like, you know, I have to offer this to other people. And here we are. Such a soul calling. Oh, I love that. And yeah. that beautiful journey. And it's so cool how you just like, yep, like this just resonates so deeply. And like, yeah, and you just start remembering more. And yeah, you're so naturally good at it. I, it's just so cool that you found that gift. And so what age were you when you tapped into that? I was 33, a Christ year. Oh, yeah. And then tell us more about Site K because I was new to it before I met you too, so. Yeah, so Site K, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but basically it is a way to reprogram your subconscious through using two main components. So the first is that we use muscle testing to actually test out, do you believe this statement or not? So let's say, for example, the way that I personally got into it um, was because I had a friend who was using it. I was binge eating. So as a holistic nutritionist, here I am living this like double standard full of so much guilt and shame and feeling bad because I have this disease essentially, or this addiction that I could not combat. And I reached out to my friends and I was like, what do I do? So my friend is like, let's try Psyche. So we go into the whole process of when did this binge eating start? When did, you know, what is this really, what's the underlying thing? Could this be a thing of, do I actually feel lovable or not? And so then we muscle test, I am lovable. And of course my conscious mind is like, of course I'm lovable. And then my subconscious tested weak. So it meant like, no, I don't think that I'm actually lovable. And so we were able to, first of all, just see that. And I was able to accept it. And then through a bunch of different kinesthetic movements. And when I say that, it means that maybe you're crossing your ankles or crossing your wrists, or maybe you have your arms open, your, your subconscious mind is moving your arms together. But there's different ways that essentially your body is placed in these different positions so that your neurons can fire together. You know, if, if you're a Joe Dispenza fan at all, you've probably heard him say neurons that fire together, wire together, right? And so as we're in these different positions, that's allowing your it's almost like it's creating a blank slate for your neurons to say, hmm, what is it that, what do we want to take in now? And so we're then, as we're in this position and you have this blank state slate, then your new thought process or the new emotional feeling is then coming in and saying, hey, I want to come in here. I want to be embedded here. And that's what Psyche does. So, you know, you get into this position, you think the new thing or you feel the new thing. And then we muscle test again and you know, 99.9% of the time is that you're going to get a strong response. And the crazy thing is it happens so quickly for most people, you know? So it kind of depends. Sometimes you're going to be like, wow, I see it right now. Like for me, like I didn't ever need to really do any binge eating stuff again. It was kind of just done. Or it could maybe be like a little bit longer and maybe you are unfolding layers like an onion and there's more stuff that all of a sudden bubbles to the surface that you can transform. Yeah, it's so incredible. And I love how that helps you with your eating disorder. And like so many people have eating disorders. And yeah, yeah, we've done so much work. We've done so much psyche over everything. The last thing we were working on is my energetic boundaries, which was huge. And just like, knowing that I'm worthy to have those. And, um, and it's just so cool. Because yeah, it literally like the, the psyche takes like, I feel like 10 minutes, maybe at most. And yeah. um, 
and then I just feel these shifts and it just feels like natural like I just feel like that is me and that is correct and it's such a beautiful transformation and I love how we can do it for everything like we've done it for all areas of my life from like my home is like the first one we did and um yeah finances love like everything so it's so cool absolutely and so tell us what you're working on now yeah so um tomorrow so or I guess for everybody listening it will be August 17th that I am launching my first ever astrology school. It is called the Cosmic Earth School of Astrology. um, And it is a 10 week journey where it will be live virtual classes to learn every single thing. This is the level one about your birth chart, about astrology, about how to read your chart, about what does every single sign, planet, house mean, and how to combine these energies together, you know, and also adding in a spiritual component as to, you know, why are you this way? And how do we not just say, well, like, sorry, sucks to be you, (laughs) but what do we actually do about that so that you can, you know, enhance your life? And then because Psyche is such a huge part of my life and my practice, is that I had to add that in there too. So with every single class at the end, we're going to be doing balances, which is what it's called when, you know, we use Psyche is we're essentially rebalancing your brain. So there will be things to help people to, first of all, just ingrain this knowledge into their memory, because I think that a lot of people have this, um, you know, this misconception that astrology has to be really hard or it's so complex and I'll never get it. I'll never understand. I have to rely on an app or on an astrologer. And I really want to put the power into people's hands. So with Psyche, we'll then say, you know, it is easy for me to learn astrology or I love myself unconditionally, whatever these things are. And it's going to be very intuitive. I don't have, you know, a list of things written out right now. It's going to be kind of like whatever we're all feeling. So it's really cohesive and people are in there as a group. And this beautiful way to kind of you know, meet your soul tribe and these other people who are really like-minded, like you, who want to also know this information. Yeah. And there's, like you said, there's so much to it. And um, yeah, I, I as well, like you were saying in the beginning, like I didn't resonate with a bunch of Capricorn stuff. I was like, this doesn't like, mm." (laughs) I'm not sturdy. I am so spontaneous. Like, you know, and so like going into your whole chart is huge. And like, the houses and you always look at the placements and all these I still like some of the words I don't know that you say but everything you say (laughs) resonates and so it's so fascinating to get to know that and you were also chatting about how like you can grow deeper empathy for your partners through looking at birth charts oh absolutely I mean I know like in the last year I had like two very intense relationships which first of all was very much shown in the astrology because for me personally and for anybody who is a Leo rising over the next two years Saturn is going to be going through our house of relationships and so wherever Saturn is going through um, and Saturn Saturn transits for two and a half years so wherever Saturn is transiting through is where it's it's really that time of lessons and learning like for you right now Lex yours is going through your career house so lots of learnings right lots of being like I gotta settle down and not travel so much or (laughs) whatever it might be for you to be like okay I gotta focus um but yeah as I was in these these relationships I was able to understand the person so much and have so much compassion and empathy for them and also understand our relationship. There's something when you put two charts together, it's called synastry chart and um, you're putting them on top of each other. So you can see how do the planets align? It's like, how is this talking to each other? And you know, how do we mesh? And with both of these people, you know, we had past life connection all the way and 
you know, the way that you can find that is you look at your south node, which represents the karmic past. And if that south node is close to their, you know, sun, moon, Jupiter, Venus, usually like any of kind of those main inner planets, then there's for sure a past life there. And there's a reason that there's such a deep, deep connection. And even if things don't work out, you can still be like, wow, we got to reconnect in this lifetime. How beautiful. And to have the knowledge that we have had these paths together. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. And it, it, it is so fascinating. Like every time I compare a chart, it's always been spot on, but I hear oftentimes like, well, you know, you, what, you're just going to rely on the chart to dictate your relationships. Like, what do you say when someone says something like that? I mean, I think that, you know, you can say no, of course, because it's 50% of the energy is there and 50% of our free will, but you know, the energy is always going to be there. The energy is never going to go away. And that's never an excuse for someone to be an asshole or to ghost or, you know, to any of these kind of like modern day things to do. Right. But it's more so of like, okay, well, if we came together again for a reason, or maybe we're coming to get together for the first time, at least we can learn from this and we can still see this person is like this. And it actually is a really good kind of compass for you to decide, is this the type of person I want to be with? Yes. Yeah. That's super important. And that, that empowerment too. It's like, yeah, it's your choice. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> your choice. And you're good at empowering too in your coaching sessions. So I really, I love that. And through the charts too, like anytime I'm having a, like something's going on, you just look at your chart and you're like, beep, beep. Yep. This is why. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's not, just, not crazy, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it really yeah. makes you feel seen and understood. Mm, absolutely. And so we maybe talk about like what um, some of the, like what Venus means and like what some of those are. Yeah, okay. So, you know, we have the sun, moon and rising, I think are things that people are now getting pretty familiar with. And just to even touch on that real quick is the sun is obviously your birthday and that is your will. It's your ego, it's your identity. If we think about um, a house is my favorite analogy. The outside of the house is the rising sign because that's what you're rising into. It's almost kind of like what you're building, right? And so people on the outside see that with you, like you being a Taurus rising, it's like you're rising into that. You're learning how to rise and, and build that foundation. And people also see it with you where they see this really grounded, cool, calm, collected, beautiful nurturing, very goddessy, you know, if anybody looks at your TikTok or like your Instagram, you're like dancing and being flowy. And that's like, so Taurus, right? So that's the outside. And then the sun is like, if you go inside to the house and we see, okay, well, this is what the person, you know, actually looks like on their inner part. Like this is once we get into the kitchen and the living room, this is who you are. And we see, okay, that's Capricorn for you. And it's also in the ninth house. So it's so important, you guys, to know what house is your son in? It's, if you think about the birth chart, like a, a stage, like a theater stage, and the spotlight is the sun, that shines a light on what area of your life you came here to literally shine in. And yours is in the ninth house, which is all about travel and about spirituality and teaching. You know, here you are a yoga teacher. You've traveled all over the world. You've lived all over the world, right? So that makes so much sense. And then the moon is like the bedroom of our charts. And that's where, you know, the people get to know you and everything and they see that about you, but also it's so much of your internal wiring and it's what you need. It's what you emotionally are here to act as. And it's where you go when you're really stressed out. So people on the outside will see you with a lot of earth energy, but inside you're like, I might be having the worst anxiety or panic attacks because it's a Gemini moon. 
Yeah. Uh, the Gemini moons. I know you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We both have Gemini moons. <laughs> Yeah. yeah and then mercury so then we have something called the inner planets which are mercury venus and mars and saturn is kind of like in between um and mercury is how we think it's what we think about um it's the way that we collaborate with other people and it's just it's kind of like our thought process in general so for you having yours in capricorn it is showing that you do think about work a lot you know because it's like well what do you think about your thing about work things and since it's in the ninth house it's well, I'm thinking about travel. <laughs> I'm thinking about how is it that I can work and live abroad and make a lot of money in that way, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you know, it also shows the other type of people that we wanna collaborate with. So you might be wanting to collaborate with other people who have some type of Capricorn energy or who are gonna be opening doors for you for travel, you know? And it's since it's earth, I think that having a Mercury earth is really nice because it's going to give you that structured thought process, you know, where everything's going to kind of line up. And then Venus is what we love. It's the way that we like to be loved. I always like to say that's kind of like the OG love languages, because you can look at that and you're like, oh my gosh, this is what I love. This is what I want. And, you know, yours is in Sagittarius. And so you love travel. You, you need people who who travel as your love language, like travel, higher education, higher spirituality, all those things that are Sagittarius. That's how to make Lexi fall in love with you people. So everybody <laughs> listening, take note, just research Sagittarius and embody those qualities and boom shakalaka. <laughs> there it is. Um, but Venus is also really good to know too, because it will show you the way that you typically show up in love, you know, that it's kind of like, the way that you might give as your love language is by doing those things. Like instead of buying something super expensive, you might be like, I booked us a flight to, you know, South America or something, or I'm taking you on a surprise road trip, right? And that's what you want back also. And it also shows us what we need in love. So if we then say, well, what element is Sagittarius? It's fire. So you do need to have that passion. You do need to feel like there is like a lot of spark and fun. And the thing to then watch out here is, is that spark also leading to drama, right? Because yeah. <laughs> that can be kind of a piece of fire in general. Yeah. So, and then Mars, Mars is our energy. It's what energizes us and it's what we have a lot of passion about. It can also sometimes be um, anything that we feel like we have to sometimes fight for or fight about. And so yours is in Capricorn. And so having that, it's like, you get energized by work, you know, and that also sometimes work. I actually have my Mars and Capricorn too. And work is like, sometimes it can feel like a love hate relationship because it can feel like a battle, even though 90% of the time you love it. Sometimes you're just like, Oh my gosh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it can show too what we could also have some type of either competition or some type of like small battles or combativeness with and so since it's in the ninth house it could show that yes you are super energized to travel but at the same time when you're traveling there could also be things that either like a friendship could happen you know there could be little mishaps or that maybe like while you're traveling something might happen to you or, or for you right um that that can bring up that passionate anger because that's that mars too that has definitely happened. And I also just want to add something to everything you're saying. Like if someone does have um, Capricorn or all this work energy and you're like, I don't like work. Well, then 
you need to find work that suits you and like find what you're actually passionate about because I did not feel this way until I was doing this work where I'm serving people and stuff so yeah I just wanted to add that in there absolutely absolutely and you know it's so beautiful because like for somebody who has this much Capricorn I mean damn girl you have six planets well five planets and then your MC which is the point in the sky of how you do your work or how you do your career what you're supposed to do for your career um that yes, having meaningful work is truly your sole purpose, you know, and it's finding that. And because for you specifically, since you have this Gemini moon, you're going to have multiple things that you do, you know, it will somehow, I think, always be in terms of serving others somehow, but there's going to be multiple paths in how that works out. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and then, and then Saturn, we'll end with Saturn. Saturn is um, you know, I think so many people get so afraid of like the Saturn return and Saturn return is between ages 28 to 32. And Saturn is the planet of mastery and of maturity and of time. So Saturn really wants us to just buckle down and to say, okay, I'm getting serious about this. And so this is why sometimes the Saturn return can feel really intense because it's forcing you to get serious. You know, it's like, baby girl, you can't party your life away anymore, you know, or like you need to find what you actually like or else, you know, you might get in trouble or you might have something really traumatic happen that forces you to change. It forces you to say, okay, there's a fork in the road. Which way am I going to go? And if you go the way that you feel is going to be the easier route, or that is going to be the route that, you know, you don't have to work so hard for, or that like, you know, you can still kind of be sneaky and get away with stuff. Saturn is going to come back and bite you in the ass. You know, Saturn is going to be like, no, you have the power to do this. So Saturn can actually help us to get there. So wherever you have your Saturn is where you are supposed to master, you know, and with you have having your Saturn in Aquarius. And I think that a lot of people, you know, of your generation, which is like 91 to 93, 94, um, 1991 to 1994, are going to be people who have the Saturn in Aquarius. And you guys really are here to shake up the world. You guys are here to, you're, you're really the star seeds. You know, you are the ones that are here to say, we're going to do spirituality. We're going to do life. We're going to do, um, you know, who we are in a different way from the tradition. And let's think different. Let's use the internet because Aquarius is tied to the internet. Let's use that to communicate through whatever medium to spread the word, to use social media, right? To create this new change, to think out of the box and to be innovative and progressive and create a better community for, the, for all of us. Yeah, it's so fascinating. I love Aquarius too. It's definitely like being outside the box and that is so how I live. I'm like, I hate social norms and just the, the yeah, the matrix. <laughs> but, absolutely, absolutely. Um, will you explain what starseed is in case people don't know? You just said yeah. it briefly. Yeah, starseed, kind of what I think it is and what my definition, I don't have like a textbook definition, but I really do feel like starseeds are the generation that have come here with this innate knowledge of being able to pick up and learn this spiritual world very quickly to change it and turn it into the next progression of life. You know, it's like, we really are in this time of being in the matrix, like you said, and the star seeds are the generation, the people who have come here and their souls chose to come here to do things differently and say, through our leadership, we're gonna create a new paradigm. And it's gonna be something that is very tied to um, listening to ourselves and to the higher forces and to making this world better by breaking the tradition, 
by breaking the ceiling and the standards and saying, well, why can't I be a digital nomad and make millions of dollars and also be super tied to my spirituality and change the way that everything was, you know, even if we look at not to get political, but if we look at Trump coming into office, you know, four years ago, five years ago, that was, I forget, I think Shaman Durek gives him this name and I forget exactly what it is, but it's basically someone who comes in to wake the world up, you know, it's kind of like they are, um, it's not that they're liked, it's not that they're popular whatsoever, but they come in to shake it up. And he was that person. And the star seeds then get to say, okay, this person has shaken the world up so much that now people are finally paying attention and we're gonna take that and do something completely different with it to make this world a better place. So no pressure star seeds. <laughs> but you know, I think that the thing too, if we look at our parents' generation or people who were born in like the 50s, 60s, right? They did not have the ability to shake things up in the way that we do now, because those people, that was like the true beginning of the hippie generation where they tried to do as much as they could without the internet and with just kind of this grassroots organization and music and, you know, whatever. But now it's kind of like, wow, over just 50 years, all of a sudden we can communicate from anywhere in the world with every single ability to learn anything right at our fingertips and to jump on a plane, right? It's like, okay, we just fast forwarded so quickly and the star seeds are here for it. They're here with the information already downloaded within them. It's almost as if there's just different genetic coding that they were born with to then actually build on earth this new paradigm. No big deal. I Y'all are here for it. <laughs> I love it though. It's so true. And um, talking about that and remembering that like I've gone to some of your live events and ancestors. So can we touch on the importance of them? And yeah, you, I love how you do your little prayers with them and all that goodness. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, we all obviously have ancestors. <laughs> That's where we came from. But, you know, ancestry is just so near and dear to my heart because we walked you know, our, our ancestors walked this path before us and we really are our ancestors' wildest dreams, like what we are living now. And I think that there are beautiful ways to call upon them for help, whether that is through prayer or through talking to them every day. And even if you don't know your ancestors, you don't even know. I mean, this is the thing is that, yes, we have, you know, ancestry.com and, you know, whatever, what's it called? Um, 23andMe, right? Like there's all of these different tools to see in this 3D human world, here's where you relate back to, but there could be an ancestry that you feel so connected to, but it might not be showing up on your DNA chart. Like for me personally, I feel so connected to Egypt. I feel very connected to Ireland. You know? Egypt. Yes. So Egyptian. Yeah. And um, I call on them all the time. You know, you can do past life regressions where you can meet them and everything. Or if you just even do a meditation and see where will that take you, right? Like who is it that you can meet there? And so that's kind of like the magic of being able to call on them for when you need them. And then I think that another huge piece that I know that I think you and I have worked on before and that I've done in my, when I used to do the cosmic earth circles, um, is that there can sometimes be pieces of us that we hold on to that are not ours and that are really our ancestors. 
I know for me personally, I had this feeling of deep, deep loneliness. And I was like, why do I feel this? Because I have so many friends. I think I was even in a relationship at the time when I was feeling this. And I was like, it's almost like, I don't know, like nothing that I can do about it is curing it. And I had gone to this amazing retreat in Sedona and there was a guy there who had shared this ancestral prayer. And he, um, he's Swedish and he had said that the first night that he read this prayer out loud, that that night when he went to sleep, he had a dream that his uncle who was actually murdered when his uncle was 30 and, and the guy, he had never met him, but that he came to him in his dream. And he said, thank you for reading that because you just released me from a dimension that I was stuck in. And it is just so wild. And so, you know, I did that. You've done that ritual, that prayer, like, and it is just this way to say, okay, what is it that we are holding on to that is not actually ours? And so letting that go, and, and maybe I'll send you this and we can put this, this prayer in the show notes yeah. um, because it's so powerful. And what I recommend doing is taking this prayer, reading it out loud three times. There's two pages. One is about the actual ancestral healing and the releasing. You read it out loud three times and you burn it. And then there's a gratitude piece. You read that three times and then burn it also. And it is so, so, so powerful because it's truly just allowing ourselves to let go of anything that is not ours and healing this for ourselves and for our ancestors and for anybody in their birth charts. This is why I love, you know, combining this with astrology is because you can tell if you have a strong Capricorn or cancer or, um, 10th house or fourth house energy, like let's say that your North node or South node, or just a lot of planets are there. You're most likely also here to do some type of ancestral healing work because Capricorn and Cancer are known as the mother and the father of the Zodiac. And it's that patriarchal or matriarchal traditional system that we can then come in this time and say, I'm here to heal this. And I think that this is actually, you know, going back to star seeds, a big part of the star seed journey here is to say, it's almost kind of like these little aliens, you know, <laughs> like, let's go back and fix whatever these silly humans with their puny little egoic minds did during their <laughs> lifetime. Let's come back and fix some damage. <laughs> Yes. Oh, so beautiful. And I, I love connecting with our ancestors because for, for instance, my dad is adopted and he has no idea. Like, I don't know anything about that side. And, and then my mom said, I'm not even close with, they like, my grandma like hates me. So, um, it's, it's interesting. I know it's part of my destiny, but it's like, I love integrating it and starting to like learn more about it. And even though I'm not like physically connected, like you said, like there's still ways to access it. Absolutely. And you just briefly touched on it. Will you, will you talk about North and South nodes too? Because that's a more common thing too, I feel like coming up. Yes. So the North and South nodes, so these are not planets, but these are points on the moon that represent our destiny and our past. So, um, you know, if we think about going North, right? If you've heard about like find your North or the North star, that's what we're stepping into in this lifetime. And we are saying, okay, here's what my soul wanted to learn more about and to do things in this type of way. And the South node is always gonna be directly opposite of whatever that is. And the South is what we are bringing with us from a past life. So the South might have been, you know, like for you, your South is in Gemini and your North is in Sagittarius. And so you're actually letting go of a lot of the negative Gemini qualities, which might be comparison or gossip or, um, self-doubt, panic, you know, anxiety, all of those things and saying, I'm going to actually just take with me 
the gifts of Gemini, which are being able to be a social butterfly, a networker, a podcaster, you know, like a messenger. And you take these gifts with you. Plus, it's almost like you get this little bag where you get to say, okay, I'm keeping these things in my bag and I'm throwing out the bricks and I'm going north. I'm going in the direction of learning what does it mean to be a Sagittarius and what does it mean to do it in the eighth house, which is where your north node is. So it's really important to look at not just what sign is your north node or south node in, but also what house and then combining those flavors. Yeah, and that's it's it's so cool. I really I like looking into learning more about my north node too, because it's true. It's like what what you're stepping into on top of like your um, your rising sign. And yeah. um, can you just like really quickly touch about what each house means or like what because I know each it's just like one word per each house, right? Or yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's a little bit more. So the kind of trick here with learning the houses is if you think about the natural wheel, the natural wheel is that Aries rules the first house, Taurus, the second, Gemini, the third, and so on and so forth. So they're going to have those types of similar energies. So the first house is about the physical body. It's about I am, it's who you are. It's about personal growth and development. The second house is a lot of the Taurus type of themes, which is about I have. It's, you know, what is your worth? What is your value? What is your money? How are you making your money, right? So even for you, if we look at your Gemini rules, your second house, how you should be making your money is doing stuff like this, is doing communication, being a messenger. The third house is about um, community, your brothers and sisters. It's about um, how you communicate in different languages. A lot of people who will have a lot of energy here, a lot of times will either be teachers or senators in their local community or speak a lot of languages. The fourth house is about your home and land and ancestors, cooking, food, interior design. The fifth house is about fun and play and creation um, and really about self-expression too. It's that original Leo house. So any type of Leo energy. It's also about children because if you think about creation, um, kids are creations, right? Like they're made from play, from having awesome sex, hopefully. <laughs> and like, that's where they're created. And then the sixth house is that original Virgo energy. So this is about service. It's about um, what we're doing in our day to day. It's also about your nutrition. So for anybody um, listening who maybe has their moon or sun or Neptune even here, this could show that you might really be into health and wellness or that sometimes you might even have issues with your health that you're here to overcome. And then the seventh house is the original Libra house. And this is relationships and one-on-one. -on -one, this is really also about, you know, fighting for a good cause and social justice, anything that you feel like is bringing more peace and balance and harmony into the world. And then the eighth house is the original Scorpio house. So this is about mysticism and alchemy and transformation and sex and a different type of sex in the Leo house. The Leo house is kind of this like fun sex and the Scorpio house is like, our souls are merging, you know, it's like really deep and intense and like lovemaking. <laughs> and, and this also rules other people's money. So if there's a lot of um, planets here, then, you know, this is a good sign for entrepreneurship too, which is where you have your North Node and Venus. So definitely. Um, and then the ninth house is about higher education, um, higher levels of spirituality and international travel. And then the 10th is all about career and even going deeper than career. It's kind of like, what's your dharma? What is the, um, the blueprint, the impact, the footprint that you're leaving on the world? How, what's your legacy? How do people respond? 
back to you. And then the 11th house is all about groups, associations. It's the Aquarius energy. So it's about how is it that we're thinking outside of the box and doing things on a global or a mass level? How is it that I'm reaching people who are you know, in a different country than I am? And how are we working together to make humanity better? And then the 12th is all about you know, transcendence. And it's kind of, I like to call it the house of God because it's the things that we feel, but we don't see. And this is really, it can be, um, it can be kind of like isolation too. You know, it's, it's kind of like you have to go away and retreat to be in the confines of your mind. And this is where meditation is. And um, the shadow of it would be drugs, alcohol, hospitalizations, or anything where it's like, you've gone so far out of your mind that it's kind of like you're living in this elusive illusion type of state. And if we even think about the word illusion, this can be applied to music and movies and anything that really takes us out of our current 3D world. So, you know, I even have a couple of um, clients who are actresses and they have a lot of stuff in this 12th house because what are they doing for their job? They're taking people into another world, you know? So it's, it's so much fun. <laughs> Oh, so cool. Yeah, I highly recommend getting a reading and trying out the her new school. I mean, it's so fascinating. Like, there's no way you can't resonate. Like, I know, like, I as well didn't believe it at first. And, you know, because and there's a lot of false people out there, like with any industry recognizing that not everyone is truth. And not everyone knows what they're doing. And so finding someone like Natalie, (laughs) that knows what they're doing, you know, so um, it's so important. So, so important. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that just another thing with that is let's say that you have had an astrology reading or that you read something on like the pattern or, you know, co-star or something, you can't always believe what you hear. Right. And, and to allow yourself to be your own biggest sense of judgment, because sometimes people are going to project, or sometimes people are literally just interpreting and astrology is only as good as the astrologer because it's all an interpretation. So let's say that someone interprets something and you're like, no, it doesn't really resonate. Listen to what resonates and what doesn't, because that's okay. Everyone has different birth charts and there could be an astrologer or someone who wrote the app. We have to remember with the app, there's just some person writing it behind the screen, right? And so you have to think like, okay, maybe they had an experience that's not true to me and that's where they're coming from. This doesn't mean that it's my truth if it doesn't feel like my truth. Yeah, so being an astrologer, that means that you must have really had to like remove, become neutral, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. You know, I think that no matter what, we're always going to take in things that we feel from other people. Like I could say, you know, I've dated so many Scorpios and blah, 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 blah. But no, if anything, it's like, wow, cool. I've been able to gather so many almost like, you know, archetypes from all of these people and see, well, this could be this energy. How does this feel for you? Or do you feel more like this part of it? Because there's always the duality. There's always the light and the dark and the in-between. So it's just figuring out where are you on that spectrum and where do you want to be? Because every side has a shadow and a higher octave that you can always be um, aiming towards. Yeah, and it's so cool. I remember our last session, I was like talking about a dynamic I was having with a friend and you named what sign she was. You're like, is she this? And I was like, yes. (laughs) But it's so, yeah, and you're really intuitive too. I like how you get just like downloads as well from things like, yeah, it's it's so cool. And something else I want to touch on was how we, have you encouraged me and like we do you call in your guides and stuff. Can you like say what that prayer is for people so that they can start incorporating that in their life? Yeah, you know, I think that what we'll usually just say is um, 
you know, we're calling in your, your angels, your guardian angels, your spirit guides and your ancestors to be with us today. And I think that, you know, I even personally do that every single morning when I wake up, I will even say, good morning, guardian angels, good morning, spirit guides, good morning, ancestors. And once I started doing that every single morning, I, without fault, I received this tingle down my spine. And it's like this little thing of them being like, we're here, you know, and it's like, it's kind of like a little chill. And I think that the more that you do that and that you believe that, and then you look for magic and signs and every single day, they're going to show up. And it's so much fun when you just start to pay attention. And it's like, life is never boring because they're all around. And, and yeah, in our sessions, we call them in because it's not about what I'm saying to you. I fully lose my ego here. It's about like, how can I be a channel for whatever you need to receive? You know, and I think that as coaches or as astrologers or whatever you're doing, you know, even if you're not working in the spiritual industry, it's more about what is your impact that you're leaving on this world? How do you take your own human ego out and just allow your spirit to run the show and your help from the other side to run the show? And that's where the magic happens. Yeah, so many good things you said there. Like, it, it is, first off, that remembrance of you're not alone. And, like, there's infinite wisdom, like, within you and around you always. Like, just, I have to ask. And, like, the fact of, I was just talking to a friend about this, the imagination piece. Like, of course, at first, you're going to be resistant. You're like, what the fuck? That is outrageous. Like, that shit ain't real. But then as soon as you're just like, well, what if, what if it was? And you allow the possibilities of magic, then it's like, you either get to experience magic or you don't. It's all, like it's your choice. You get to have fun or like you said, be bored and be like sad. It's like, why not try? Yeah. I was listening to, so my favorite um, little thing to listen to every day. And I recommend everybody to do this. Esther Hicks, you know, Abraham Hicks has these little mini, like 15 to 30 minute, like just quotes of her talking. And this morning, the one that I was listening to was about, um, it was a mom who had said, what do I do? when my kids are really negative and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, well, how are you gonna be? Are you negative or are you positive? Because they're looking at your example and they're saying, well, mom is really stressed out but she doesn't smoke weed. So I'm gonna do the opposite of what mom does and I'm gonna smoke weed, you know? And she was like, can you give up your suffering? Can you give up not feeling good, right? And if we frame it that way, it's like, are we addicted to the suffering? Are we addicted to not feeling good? because maybe that's what we grew up or maybe that's what we watched our parents do or maybe we watched that in the movies and so we expect the drama. Can you give up that idea and be like, no, I actually expect miracles and I expect money and I expect abundance and I expect being of service and living in fulfillment. That's a huge thing. I've, yeah, it's such a big pattern. So many of us are attached to the suffering and although it's like, why would I be attached? But it's like, that is your comfort. So yeah, that's a whole nother topic, but I also wanted to ask you, like, how do you remove your ego for sessions like this and so that you can be a clear channel for spirit, universe, God, whatever you want to call it? Yeah, I think that it's about being present, you know, it's about saying, how can I be of service? Because when we are of service, our ego is not there, you know, it's about being selfless and saying, you know, if I'm in a session with you, what does Lexi need right now? It's not about what does Natalie need? You know, you're my client, you're the focus here, you're the priority. And when we take ourselves out, first of all, I think that there's there's kind of like another big thing here is the no judgment, right? Is that I'm not sitting here being like, oh my gosh, look at this and she did this and what? You know, <laughs> and like 
so it's really this whole thing of you have to fully surrender any type of judgment and more so look at this person as like, wow, look at this beautiful soul and what they're going through and what they want to achieve instead. And looking at it like that with, with so much compassion. And I think that when we look at other people with compassion and we also look at ourselves with compassion, then the ego can slowly start to can start to go. I mean, I even, you know, living and moving to North Carolina for this little bit have had even more ego deaths, right? Because coming from beautiful people in Southern California and, you know, this very type of life that I was living for the last eight years or so living in, in California and growing up there, it's so different in the South. It's such a different way of life. It's a different way of, you know, the silliest things of like dressing and how people talk and what they drive where I was like, wow, like I ain't in LA anymore. I ain't in San Diego anymore. And can I just accept and love these people who are so sweet and welcoming and it's like we're always going to be faced with ego deaths no matter how far we feel like we are along our journey and that's the beauty is that when we get to step back and realize that and be like hmm, have I been judgmental oh am I in my own ego oh do I think that I'm this and this and this and usually when that happens there will be some type of opportunity for us to snap out of it if we then can recognize it and and say yes I am going to shift this pattern and choose soul over ego. Yes, I love that so much. And for those who might not know what an ego death is, can you explain that in more, I don't know, easier terms? Yeah, ego death. So, okay, so our ego is, our ego is what we want, right? Our ego is our desires. Now we need to have our ego because our ego is what drives us to do things. Our ego is what, you know, we want to dress like, and it's the type of money that we want to make, and it's how we want other people to view us. But then the ego shadow can be like, oh, I need to have this title. Oh, I better be making at least six figures or more. Oh, I better be married to this type of person. And oh, I better have this boob job or I better, you know, all those little things, right? And like, what does this person think about me? And like, what do I think about this person? And it's that judgment. And so the ego death happens when it dies when something happens so that you have to be shaken to your core so that you are not living in your ego anymore. An example of this is, um, you know, when I graduated college, I worked in nightlife and I was a journalist. I was a music journalist and I lived a very kind of like glamorous lifestyle living in Las Vegas. I was interviewing, you know, all the top electronic DJs like Cascade and Steve Aoki and Swedish House Mafia, like all the top huge names, right? And my ego was huge because I was like, I'm Natalie Holbrook. I get into every club for free. I'm VIP. I was with this person last night and like, I get all this and, you know, you want me to write this article. Of course, like I was up here. <laughs> I, I was on my high horse and I got really sick. And with that, you know, I had a really um, kind of just ominous issue where I had so many gut problems and no one knew what it was. And finally, I really had to surrender and I had to leave Las Vegas. I had to leave this job. And when I left and when I wasn't receiving all these emails anymore and when I wasn't VIP at everything and when I moved back to San Francisco and I actually had to pay for stuff and people didn't know who I was, <laughs> talk like that was an ego death. That was me being like, okay, I'm back to neutral. I'm not this big fish in a small pond anymore. I have to say, well, who am I really? What is my soul really? What is my heart? And look at people for their hearts and not for 
their title or their looks or, you know, their money or whatever those things are. And luckily, you know, that all happened to me when I was 25, 26. So I was young when I had that first happen. And I think that, you know, especially for star seeds, right? Like you guys are having these things even younger where it could be like 1920 or, you know, teens, right? Um, but so that it really is this, this loss of your identity of the materialism and of the things that are not what your soul truly wants or needs. Yeah, I didn't know that about you. That's crazy. But like, <laughs> easy to run on that path. Like, oh my God, you know, it's, it's that short-term pleasure, you know, it, it, it feels good in the moment. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, even like the littlest things, like, you know, if you think about social media, right? Like, oh my gosh, a couple of weeks ago, I started on TikTok and I was like, oh, I got all this many shares and views and likes. Like we all go through it all the time because we're all, it's, it's really that dopamine hit, you know, of, oh, this person complimented me. Oh, this person liked this. This is feeding my ego. You know, we all know that saying it's feeding his ego, feeding her ego. And it's really just being neutral and letting what's real feed your soul rather than feed your ego. Love it so much. So if people want to work with you, if you want to go to your school, where can they find you? Yeah. So, okay. The best way, honestly, I'm super active on Instagram. My handle is rise with Natalie. Um, and I am, you know, right now I, uh, just ended accepting clients, but probably next year I'll be opening up for more one-on-one -on -one clients and people could message me through rise with Natalie or go to my website, which is natalieholbrookwellness.com. And the school, which is um, live now, and this is airing, is the, it's just cosmicearthschoolofastrology.com. And we'll, we'll link that. And for anybody who is listening, who wants to sign up, I will give um, a, a $100 off if you use the code HEARTSNUGGLES. So just use the, the name of Lexi's podcast and would love to see you guys in cosmic class thank you so much i'm so grateful for you for coming on and all the work we've done together it's been really transformational so thank you absolutely i love you <laughs>